Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Mind Body Musings podcast. My name is Madeline Moon, and I will be your host today and every Wednesday on this show. I'm really excited to bring to you today. Actually, it's funny that I introduced myself as the host today because technically I'm not. I am going to be sharing with you an interview that happened on the I Woke Up Like This podcast where I was the one being interviewed with the dear host, Julie Day. Julie Day was on my podcast a few weeks back. I'll include the link to that episode on the show notes to this. This beautiful woman has so much wisdom to offer and I loved the episode I did with her on my podcast so much. So if you have not heard that, now is the time. And she had me scheduled on her show. And again, we had such a beautiful conversation. And in this conversation, I tell you about the time that I realized, I found out my boyfriend of a year had three children and a wife. And I had no freaking idea. I have talked a bit about this on the podcast, but not not a full-on episode, I don't think. I don't know. Out of 306 episodes, a lot of them get by that I forget I ever did. So maybe I did at some point. Um, but if not, this episode is going to give you a really crystal clear idea and picture of why circumstances like the one I just shared can lead to the deepest, deepest, beautiful growth that I would never take back. Taught me so much. I'm so grateful for it. Didn't feel good at the time, but now taught me a lot. And I can look back at that and be like, yes, that was a pivotal moment in my life that I learned, learned, learned. And before we head into this interview, I want to give you the review of the week. And this comes from Beat of My Drum, Beat with Two E's. And she gives five stars and says, amazing podcast. I've been listening to Maddie's podcast for a long time, and I love how honest all of her content is and how it changes with her. I love when she talked about intuitive eating and as she has grown into talking more about masculinity and femininity, I've learned way more about myself and why I feel the way I do. She really helps me to feel less alone. I feel like I'm listening to a wise friend talk about all the things I need to know. Thank you for being so real and always delivering the best information always. You are so welcome, my dear. Thank you for this beautiful review on the Mind Body Musing show. Last thing I will mention before we glide into this episode is that we had our first call for the CSU Society. It was amazing, and some of the comments that I received after doing this first call with the women was, I'm so glad I signed up. Oh my God, I've learned so much. I'm shook. This was incredible. And it's because what we focused on in this first call is how to give the thing it is that you've wanted in relationship. I lead you through this powerful meditation where you will find out what the key ingredient is that you have been searching for over and over and over in all of your relationships, this key ingredient that you didn't feel you ever had as a child. And then what we go into is how you can begin to give this key ingredient. And everyone's key ingredient is different. And what you think right now it might be could be different from what it actually is. And that's why you have to go into a meditative state to find what it is that you have been subconsciously searching for in all of your relationships. And the key is that once you receive this thing that it is you want, most 
often your nervous system does not know how to keep it or handle it or love it because if it's the thing you never had as a child, your nervous system never learned how to receive it. So often as adults, we're searching for, for example, safety in relationships because we never felt truly safe in our family unit. But then when you're older, you finally get safety and you push it away or you find yourself in relationships where you make it unsafe for your partner to be their true self so they have to walk on eggshells and maybe end up lying which proves your story oh my god see i'm never safe so in this meditation that i I lead you through in the sisu society you discover what it is that is that ingredient you've been looking for and what the answer is to bringing it into your life and it's not the answer of how do you finally find a person that can give it to you so If you didn't hear me talk about the Sisu Society in the last podcast, the Sisu Society is a monthly online community, $19 a month, where you get two lessons from me, a Facebook community, tons of resources, and just this beautiful place to come together as women who are committed to devotional love. The theme of this group is women who are not just feeling into their feminine and learning how to accept their emotions and feel what comes up for them and be energy and be all the things and embrace their sensuality and their playfulness and their creativity, but also learn how to be devoted to love above all. It is not an easy path to walk, to be devoted to love and be a feminine being. It may sound like they go hand in hand, But the feminine is uncontained. She's all over the place. So it takes grit and determination to actually walk on the path, the beautiful, long, never-ending path, which is like a straight path, right? Moving towards love constantly as you're full of energy, as you're full of the feminine, as you're full of the emotions. So we allow for the non-linear nature at the same time as the linear We allow for the chaos of the feminine heart, the ups and the downs, the confusion, the clarity, the openness and the closure and all of that. And we live our our human feminine experiences as we walk forward towards truth and devotional love. So if this intrigues you, I'll stop there. You can head on over to maddiemoon.com forward slash sisu dash society it's also on my website maddiemoon.com you'll just see it on that home page you can read all about it there and join us would love to have you there there's no commitments again it's 19 dollars a month a beautiful nourishing community and two lessons from me that will not be found anywhere else they will only live inside of the sisu society Okay, that's all I'll share today. Let's go head on over to listen to Julie Day interview me about the time I woke up when I found out my boyfriend had a wife and three kids. Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 20 of I Woke Up Like This. I'm your host, Julie Day. And if you don't already know me, I'm a spiritual counselor, teacher, astrologer, And I'm totally nuts about normalizing the waking up process. Shift happens and it's always profound and it's always for our greater good. And wow, do I have an amazing waking up share with you today from Madeline Moon. 
Before I get into that, a couple of little housekeeping announcements. For those regular listeners, you may have noticed that the intro to the podcast was gone. That's because we're doing a little makeover and we're going to shake things up a little bit. So I'll have more announcements about that soon. But for those newbies listening, this podcast is all about coming in and sharing stories of the awakening process, which we all go through many times. And when we're in it, it feels like we're stuck in mud. It feels like we're being ripped apart, brought to our knees. And then on the other side, there's this amazing transformation and authentic authentication of who we are. So I come in here, I share interviews, I do prayer trips, I share practices that help you with your own waking up process. All right, so whether you're a newbie or whether you're here from the Maddie Moon world or whether you're a regular waker-upper, I welcome you and thank you for being here today. I'm super giddy to share today's interview with you. The incomparable Maddie Moon, Madeline Moon, has a profound share about waking up through discovering that her partner of a year was actually married with three kids. This catapulted her into a profound waking up process that shaped who she is today and so much of what she now shares with others. All right, before I tell you a bit about how I know Maddie Moon and I'm going to read her bio too, I want to give a heads up that I was so inspired by today's interview that I actually recorded a prayer trip. I don't usually do that anymore side by side with an interview, but today I did. Plus, we have a really profound full moon happening early Thursday morning if you live in the States. And the week after is some astro shifts that I think are going to bring about a lot of change in our world. So I'm going to talk about that and we're going to dive deep into a prayer trip. That episode is available now if you're called to join me for that. All right. Personal share about how I know Miss Maddie Moon. About a year ago, a mutual friend of ours said, hey, you two need to know each other. So we trusted this mutual friend. We hopped on the phone and it was just instant connection, instant like shared heart space with one another. And I got to tell you, she feels like the daughter that I never had. I mean, I'm 46, y'all. I'm almost 47. And she is 28, even though she is just an ancient being in a young human suit. And we just feel that kind of love for one another, you know? So even though she's not yet 30, she has already done so much with her life and she is an incredibly profound teacher. And let me say, she is the real deal. It, I know it's hard sometimes to believe that someone so young um, could be that wise, especially you know when we're talking about a spiritual teacher or something. But for those that already follow her, you're like shaking your head in agreement going, yeah, she's that wise. <laughs> she's the real deal. And for those that don't know her, you're going to find out soon. I want to encourage you to grab pen and paper as you're listening to this episode. She really does share some profound wisdom nuggets. I know myself, I was jotting down notes the whole time, you know, little quotes that she was giving. She's, she's almost like an oracle or a portal. All right. So now let me read her bio for you. 
Oh, and you're definitely going to want to follow her on IG because she gives good Instagram. And then you're going to want to subscribe to her podcast, Mind Body Musings. Those links will be in the show notes. All right. Now her bio. Madeline Moon is a walking permission slip committed to radical truth-telling in her top 50 ranked podcast, coaching practice, and her various teaching platforms. Her soul, being both really old and quite young at the same time, allows her to access wisdom beyond the present society and catalyze it into digestible, earthy knowledge for modern men and women. While the shedding of a skin may be a deep process, there is no need to make it so serious. Madeline believes humor is one of the highest levels of spirituality and is committed to revealing how spirituality can be rich with pleasure, play, sensuality, intimacy, and innate freedom. She's hosted the popular Mind Body Musings podcast for six plus years, ranking in the top 50 of all time people in the U.S. and Great Britain in self-improvement. She lives in Brooklyn, New York with her dog, Ollie, where she enjoys the art of acting, creative writing, and drinking specialty Manhattans. All right, let's bring on Madeline Moon. Hello, hello, hello. So good to hear your voice. (laughs) I feel like I'm interviewing a celebrity. Like I have to admit, I was actually a little nervous before our interview today. (laughs) Oh, you know, that's really funny because I, the closer I get to someone, the more, I don't know if the word is nervous, but the more, um, it's like, intentional pressure. There's like a little bit of pressure to be uber intentional because our conversations off air are so impactful and profound and deep AF. And I'm like, (laughs) I really want to bring that to this recording. And then, and then you get all in your head and then you got to release attachments, blah, blah, blah. But (laughs) you and me both, we have the same feeling beforehand. Okay. That's such a good invitation, actually. Deep breath, releasing all attachments. Mm -hmm. (laughs) All right, my dear, my lovely, beautiful soul sister. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your, I want to do like a, like a Corona check-in. Um, like what's mm-hmm. your quarantine now moment like, and, and, and how are you navigating through this? Yeah. Wow. Um, I was telling someone the other day that every single day is so entirely different with different processes going on, a different emotional purge happening. And at the same time, it's all exactly the same. (laughs) So it's been, it's been very interesting for a little bit of context for those listening. I live in New York city. I live in Brooklyn. So I've been in the heart of all of this madness. And I was there for 30 days straight in my apartment quarantined with my dog, no human contact, nothing. And um, about a month before the virus really started to hit, I started to ha- start cultivating a relationship with someone who lived upstate. And uh, we had this phone courtship happen throughout the entire 30 days that I was in New York City. And uh, long story short, found a way to get me near him. And so I am now in an Airstream in the woods that he is connected with. He has found a way to get me inside of this airstream. I'm making it all sound very vague, but he, he's, he's really wanted to make sure that I was, I was being nurtured during this time. And he took really beautiful care of me and, um, rented out this airstream and I'm up here and it's been, 
Yeah, it's been a really amazing experience leaving the city and going into nature. Like the first day I saw like five deer, a fox, <gasps> blue jays, oh uh, woodpeckers. Yeah, it was kind of cool because I foxes are my favorite animals and I got to see one the first day that I arrived. Oh, wow. Why are foxes your favorite yeah. animal? I, what's, yeah. the, what's the medicine of that? <clears throat> oh, God. Gosh, that's a great question. They're just beautiful to me. I think they're sexy creatures. Like if I was a <laughs> if I was a female animal of any kind, doesn't matter if it was an elephant or an eagle, I would want to mate with a fox. <laughs> <laughs> they're just so stunning and they're just sly and like I can hear their French voice like, "Oh, you cut me in the trees. You do not see me." And then they run off and then you're like, "No, I want to mate with you." That's what I imagine my conversation with a fox would be like and I haven't seen one since I saw it the first day and I've been here for a month now and I haven't seen one since it's I love amazing. it it was like blessing you it was like welcoming you. I know I and know it was yeah what a stark contrast like like the epicenter and then basically like Snow White's Airstream trailer um <laughs> in the woods that's like what would I and being single and totally quarantined without any connection and then coming upstate to be with an actual love like what was what was that like to go from no touch to love touch wow good question again <laughs> you're on fire let's see <laughs> it was you. um it, it was it, it, wow it honestly truthfully quite easy because this particular person is such a soul match. Like I, I've never experienced so much ease and simply being who we are. And with that said, I've had a lot of training and learning to speak what I need. Mm -hmm. So even once I got here, I could, I'm, I could measure and take my own temperature on when I needed a little space, when I needed more love, when I needed a little more of this. Mm. One of the most challenging parts was being completely, utterly helpless because I like to choose my moments of helplessness. Like, oh, we need a little polarity here. Maybe I'll, I'll stop doing all the forward action masculine work and I'll just take a step back and let myself being take, taken care of. But coming here, I had no option from like getting out of the city to not knowing how to make an airstream shower work to emptying out my toilet tank <sighs> to groceries. Like I was quarantined in my little airstream for a bit of time um, because I'm also around a community. So to keep everyone feeling safe, like this New York city girl coming in, mm. I stayed pretty localized to my airstream for a bit of time um, before interacting with the city folk around me. Uh, of course, everyone is still uber safe, but we're all pretty much quarantined in the same area. So we get to intermingle with each other because we know where we've been. Hmm. But for the first time, I was completely by myself. So I needed like a middleman to bring me everything and, you know, get my propane tank really hot and warm. So I'd stay warm at night to, hey, can you run out and get me coffee? Or I ran out of half and half. Like all the things I went into complete utter helplessness and wow yeah how was, did that feel <laughs> yeah that was that was my my first challenge that was definitely my first challenge of um being someone who I really like the option to be helpless and instead saying I'm gonna let myself being take be taken care of I'm not gonna make it mean anything about me like oh I can't take care of myself mm -hmm. it's actually for the greatest good because the more I just 
don't try to take care of everything myself, the sooner I get to be with my love and we get to be open and we get to, you know, just take up more space. Mm. So that was the first main challenge. And I've experienced an influx and outflux of um, ease and, and, and some resistance and some ease and some resistance. But overall, considering the state of the collective and the uncertainty in life, I'm doing really well. Mm-hmm. and I'm crazily in love and I feel very blessed and fortunate. Well, I love the message here. Well, first of all, like on a, a, a within your Corona share, I, I love the message of like really letting go and being truly vulnerable. And even though it can be perceived as helpless, um, I, I see it as just, just true utter vulnerability and allowing someone else to come in and to to help, to assist, to support, to, to see you a little bit messy or a little bit out of control, you know? Um, yeah, that's, that's beautiful. And it really allows the other person to show up and and show love. Um, yeah, you see me in the most vulnerable states that any person I think has ever, stuff I'm not going to say on air, but like really seeing the raw, stripped, naked, crying, everything version of me and what a time to let that be witness like what an amazing time to just go into that place and mourn and grieve and open and be in love and have the best sex ever and have the best cries ever and then feel terrible and then feel oh like it's it's that every day over and over again right now oh I love that. You know, you and I are going to have to do a separate show on love at some point in time. Um, like, and, and like really being with a safe partner in which you can be fully met mm-hmm. and fully seen. Um, I think that because I have like a million questions that I want to launch into, that is not the show today. Um, but the other like overarching message that I'm hearing is just this, hey, love in the time of Corona. It happens. It can happen. So, you know, if anyone listening is really struggling with with being quarantined alone or, you know, your dating life has been stalled, like receive this medicine. You might even want to like open your arms wide and just say yes to this medicine and this possibility that we know is true. Love in the time Mm -hmm. of Corona. Yes. Mm -hmm. All right. (laughs) And so what are you going to be sharing with us today? Your, your, your wake up moment that you were called to bring here and share with all of us. Oh, so today I'm sharing about the time I found out that my longer, longer-ish term boyfriend had been keeping the fact from me that he had three children and a <gasps> ex question mark wife hidden from me. Uh, and it was humiliating and it was painful, uh, but it taught me a whole lot about sovereignty and emotions and fully breaking open to life whoa a year together and then you found out he had three children and a wife yeah yeah wife question mark maybe x don't know couldn't find out but that is what i found out and and all the signs pointed like i mean he literally handed me a bouquet of these beautiful red flag roses like Oh, I mean, I'm saying two dozen, like two dozen red flag roses. And I still was like, don't see it. Don't care. Mm, These smell good. Like I did not 
I did not pay attention to any of those signs. And thank goodness, because I needed to learn this very, very important lesson in this relationship. And only this relationship could teach me this lesson that I needed to learn. Wow. Okay. So, so let's go back a little bit. That, that This is huge. And nobody's shared anything close to this um, on this show yet. So who were you before this? Like, who was the Maddie that was about to get broken down and broken open? Uh, the Maddie before this was the gal who felt so incredibly confident and, you know, knew, knew everything and didn't really question her leadership and her teachings and didn't really question her path. And when she wanted to put a retreat out there, she just said, I'm going for it. When she wanted to travel across the country, she said, I'm going for it. And she wanted to travel across the country alone over and over and over, like solo travel. So the Maddie before this was really brave and really sure of herself and ready for the one to enter her life, to help her build her own world and to build something together and to get married so she could, you know, create that next level world in her vision of what, what she knows in her body she wants. Wow. I, wow. I had no idea that you were like that confident and that much Mm -hmm. of a go-getter. I mean, I know that that's who you are now, but to know that that's who you were like before this experience too. Well, no, no, I know, I know nothing now. Now I know nothing. (laughs) Now I'm actually, (laughs) I'm actually penetratable now. Um, I feel humbled. I feel open. I feel less inclined to travel the world. I feel here. I feel present. I'm sure we'll get into that later, but Mm -hmm. I just want to highlight before we go too deep that when I say all of these things, yes, there's such a light side to it. It's so powerful. I was so in my, in my logical side, I was in my masculine completely. Yeah. This is important to mention too, completely in my go getter, do the thing. I know what to do side also completely disembodied. Mm. not in my feels, not in my, you know, I'm in, what do I know I want, but I'm not in my, what do I feel is right for me? What do I feel is a no for me? Um, I wasn't in the process of feeling emotions, my sex, my body, my desire, uh, who God really is in the core of me and the core of you. My spiritual life was not really present. I thought it was. I mm. thought it was all there. I thought I knew everything. I thought check 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 check. But <laughs> I was I was so ahead of the cart. And thank goodness cuz it helped me build my business and get out there and create stuff. So I'm so grateful for it. But who Madeline is wasn't there. Um that embodied feminine presence being connected to the sex, creating, birthing, being humbled that wasn't there. So what did you notice that you were creating from that space of like being disembodied and more in your masculine? Like what, what did the world around you look like or or how did you experience it? Hmm. Thinking back because this was in when I was living in Colorado, um, I was doing, I was still doing well. You know, sometimes when we paint the picture of before, it can seem really dark. And sometimes when I do that and I think about it later, I'm like, man, I wish I didn't say it that way. Mm. Because 
especially during this time, I was doing well and I was happy. And I have, I can think of the, the Snapchat videos I was making during this time. Uh, like the, the moment I met this man on Tinder, I was making Snapchat videos with my sister and we were laughing and giggling and pulling our pants up high, high waisted and being old men and like joking around the living room and uh, spending a lot of time with my family. Like, so things were delightful. I was making retreats and membership groups and coaching people. But I remember also during this time, everything was a a, a, a list I needed to check off. Mm-hmm. Even my coaching was like, I remember coaching in my, my coaching calls and doing all just phone calls instead of Zoom and doing face-to-face. Both of them are great. Uh, but I remember at the time I did all phone calls and I would be pacing back and forth I was as I was coaching and mm. uh, really like eager to get it done with, like on to the next thing, on to the next thing, on to the next thing. Mm. Um, like my clients and themselves were a checklist and getting the next perfect relationship with it was a checklist, whether it was Tinder or Bumble, it just needed to quickly happen. Mm. My membership program at the time I created, which you and I, Julie, we're just talking about before mm-hmm. we hit record. Uh, I created this membership platform uh, all the way back then. That even it, I, we were talking about this before, and I said it did not. It did not come to fruition the way I wanted, and that's also because I was creating from my logical mind of get it done, do the thing, create too much structure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's how I saw the world. I, I was counting every calorie. I was working out very particularly. I was uh, scheduling my calls in a way that was linearly perfected and watching a lot of TV. I just wasn't feeling mm. like, like being, and I wasn't seeing the beauty that's already existing in the world in a way that could break your heart open and mm. really help you go into the feels in a delicious, exquisite way. These words were unfamiliar to me. I didn't know you could have your heart broken and find deliciousness in it. Mm. There was not that feminine heart available in my life mm. at that time. Wow. And so in, in walks this guy that you meet on <laughs> Tinder of all places. Mm-hmm. That's where I met Marco, actually. <laughs> so no, no judgments on Tinder. <laughs> oh, my God. I had no idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was funny. Oh um, I have the screenshot. I can share it with you later. Um, yeah. So you meet this guy and you think this is the next box I need to get checked off. That sounds mm-hmm. like a euphemism, but it's not. <laughs> yeah. He, you know, those stories where women are like, I mean, I could say men too, but I think it's more women where they, they go on a date and then they come home and they tell their mom, he's the man I'm going to marry. And then on yeah, the wedding yeah. day at the speech, the mom is like, stands up, ta- toast her little champagne glass. And she's like, I remember when, yes. you know, sh- she came home that night and said, this is the man I'm going to marry. And here we are. Like, yes, that was the, the story. Yes. That's the movie. And that, you know, so many people do that after a first date because they hope that later when they get married, they can tell that story of how they knew it. Uh-huh. And I did the same thing. I had my first date with this guy. I met my mom up at the library because that was always our spot to get a coffee and rent mm. books. And I hugged her and I was like, oh, okay, he's the man I'm going to marry. And I would just like looked her in the eye and she was all like, oh my God. And, like we had this like moment where we just claimed that space of here, it's going to happen. Let's just skip right over to marriage because mm. that is the fairy tale. And 
that's that's where I thought I was going. Oh, that's like that. If that doesn't tell you how ready I was to check off that box, yeah, then I don't really know what. Well, okay. So pause on your story for a second. Like, what is that? What what is that? That's so common. Um, and I definitely bought into that too. And and I, I wasn't the kind of kid that like dreamed of my wedding day. Um, and, and I never really wanted a family per se, uh, that, that wasn't a big desire of mine. Um, but I, I wanted the dude quote unquote, I wanted, mm-hmm. I wanted to get married. Um, and I don't know, did that like, uh, was that, was that a validating something in my, you know, 20 something year old brain at the time? I, what, what is that? What do you think that is? That's a great question. I think one part is primal. It's ancestral. It's mm. the desire to um, unite forces for more safety, for more power, for more inclusion. Like when we think about, I, I've been reading this book, an amazing book called The Prerequisites to Ecstasy. And <laughs> oh yeah, it's highly recommend. He breaks apart how ecstasy lives in the upper chakras. And the lower chakras are where you you really just create foundation. And like in the root chakra is, is where um, we, we enter relationships root chakra wise so that we know life will be easier together. We can both pay the bills. Mm. We can look out for each other's safety. We can provide food and shelter and clothing. And then there's the next one, sacral. We have like our sexual needs. We can fulfill that. And then there's the solar plexus. There's identity, mm. which could mean like, okay, now I'm a part of this family and they're a part of mine and we're uniting for more power. Mm. So we have our lower chakra needs and desires. Or Again, that's not even needs or desires. It's like our basic yeah. Yeah, needs. It is the needs. Basic needs, not quite yet desires. Um, and then in the upper chakras, we begin to meet the the ecstasy, the deep intimacy, the deep contact, touching places where God lives when two people unite. So I have so much compassion for the yearning and craving for marriage Mm. because a lot of it comes down to wanting to feel safe Mm. and wanting to have needs met. Mm. Um, And then, and then we, we add on top of that, like especially America, how America has made marriage and sex uh, commodity Hmm. there are there are shows all about what's the one that was just on netflix um is love is blind oh god like (laughs) you just get married after having a conversation in a little pod room without even seeing each other and then they romanticize it and they clip out all the little parts these people say about i'll do anything for love if he's not the right person i'll die and like, it's just these little propaganda messages that pop yeah. up in all of these shows that are addicting to watch. Julie, they're my favorite shows. I they're love them too. more than anything. Totally. totally. Yeah. Totally. They're fasc- <laughs> fascinating. This is where people like you and I who get really interested in where marriage comes from. We love these kinds of shows because we get to study human behavior. Yeah. And yeah. it's just, I, I like watching it for, for that reason. I say it's that reason. Really it's it's all the reasons, right? It's like a guilty pleasure, but it's also yeah. being able to watch the psychology play out, um, yeah. being able to yeah see the outcome. Like, does this really does this experiment really work? And I was shocked mm. that it actually did, and I was so like warmed by a couple of the couples um, that ended up getting married. Won't spoil any any of it here, <laughs> um, Maddie. That was a freaking fantastic answer. I 
felt so moved as you were responding to that. There was so much like, um, not only compassion, but, uh, just like knowledge, wisdom. I mean, it's so right on. And I remember saying to myself, so I was married, uh, before it feels like my past life, but it was in this life. Uh, and we were together for seven years. Um, and when I let, when I, when I was in the process of leaving that relationship was when I was really having a lot of my waking up processes happening right one, right after the other. And one of my epiphanies was just what you were saying. Like this relationship has served beautifully my lower chakras. It is a lower Mm -hmm. chakra relationship in which I'm totally safe This guy, I mean, I could say a lot of good things about this guy, but one of the things was he was incredibly committed and loyal and integrous Mm. with us. And, you know, there was this lower chakra safety and and being together. Um, And but then I longed for the full body experience, the upper chakras and the lower chakras to be met. Um, And that kind of became my North Star coming out of that relationship um, and, you know, very, very happy to say that the experience is well worth um, the exploration. Mm. So getting back to meeting this guy on Tinder and he he checked off that box and you told your mom so that you could have the screenplay version mm-hmm. of this romance. Mm. Yeah. And then what what was the first year of your relationship like before you knew uh, this this devastating piece of knowledge? Mm. Yeah. It was a, it was always turbulent. It was always turbulent. Um, he on the outside was just so much of what I pictured myself with. Um, I come from a family of lots of Marines and people in the Navy and army, and it's been very, very glorified. And so ever since I was like one years old, I've been raised hearing about the, the amazing amazingness of people who go into the Marines. And so I just like kind of had in my mind that I needed that, which also to be very clear, I'm so grateful for everyone's service and mm-hmm. for giving themselves in that way. It, it, it's, it's beautiful that I come from a family of people who have donated their time and energy and life for those causes. Mm-hmm. And really, um, yeah, a lot of devotion in that. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean it's right for me, right? I just, I was, this is a big theme in my life of being born into a family that said, this is you, this is what's for you, this is what's for you, this is what's for you. And my entire life is about unlearning all of that mm. to find what is for me. Anyways, I met him, Marine, fully tatted, just <laughs> blue eyes, looks like he's probably my brother in some way. Oh my very tall and very stoic very stoic. And again, oh, and Southern, I come from a Southern family. So Southern Georgian accent, just melt. Oh, I uh, loved yeah, all that. Yeah. Still, still love all that. Still stand by his looks and everything being <laughs> like, oh yes. So good. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but with all of that said, there was from the start, uh, some stuff he was dealing with that really s- switched his personality very quickly. Hmm. Uh, he could go from happy and excited to very uh, upset, very stern. He could just cut off the flow of anything that was happening between us at any time. Very unpredictable. Hmm. And I don't really know at the time how I felt about that. I know it frustrated me. um, But more than anything, it was something that I I was going through a process of, well, how can I love this? 
You know, like, mm-hmm. how can I still be available for this? Maybe I'm his healer or his teacher. Gosh, yes. I can be with this wishy-washy nature. And and there was something really odd about what his switches did within my body. They did scare me, and I did not like them. Mm-hmm. I didn't like that he hel- held so much back from me. He was always very secretive. And our whole year together, I never went to his home. Oh, wow. Uh, I knew he lived with two roommates who were friends, but he always came to my place. And that was true. That part I do know is true. Uh, I later found out about his kids and his ex-wife who didn't live where we lived. They actually lived in a different state. They were back in Georgia. But I found out via Facebook because he wasn't on anything. He wasn't on Facebook or social media. Didn't like me taking pictures of him. Um oh. Yeah, all of these secretive things of never seeing his place, not having any information about his family or his parents, not being on social media, his mood never staying the same. And all of these things, I was like, well, this is this is something for me to just learn how to love. Right, <laughs> like, right. You thought that was you know, your spiritual work was to 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 learn how to love what was mm-hmm. what was there in front of you. Yeah, that was a process that was the, it was one part of like making this a spiritual path for myself, another process of almost finding like, um, what is the, like pride in being, It. how do I describe this? It was like being shut down by him hmm. brought me some kind of pride. I don't know what it was, but it brought me something like a martyrdom, I think. Hmm. Maybe not, pr- maybe pride from being a martyr. Like, well, I'll do this. I'll be silenced for the cause of loving this man or him loving me or um, hmm. I d- cannot put my finger on it perfectly. But if anyone's ever been in an emotionally manipulative relationship, you most likely know what this is like. Hmm. Was it um, <laughs> so as I probably said in the intro, um, I feel I feel like you, so. So there's this whole philosophy about um uh, fractals, fractals within soul groups, right? So I totally believe that Maddie and I are a part of the <laughs> same soul fractal because she, w- as we talk about our lives, there are so many similarities. Um, yeah, and I'll, I'll go into that in another show, the soul fractal thing. It's, it's so cool. Um, but this experience that you're talking about is something that I have experienced too and how I would describe it. And I'm, I'm, and I'm wondering if this, um, resonates with you as well. <sighs> There's a sense that, okay, well, I have this strength inside of me. I, I feel grounded or I feel okay. This other person seems to not feel okay. Like they seem to be um, on rocky ground or, or emotional, turbulent, whatever it is. So I will... I will not have any needs. I will totally um, be the strong one in this moment. And um, and that's like the, the gift that I thought I was giving to the relationship. Um, yeah, I'm wondering how that lands. Yes, that lands so deeply. And as you were talking, I thought of something else that I think you're going to resonate with too. Um, all of my knowledge about attachment styles was born from this relationship. Oh, yeah. Well, attachment style is my favorite. Okay. Say more. Yeah. So after, after we ended up breaking up, after I found out about the kids and all that, and we had a big, big, um, 
which cheerful I want to hear more about in a moment. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. I was told by someone, you got to get the book attached. And so I immediately got it. And that's when I realized, oh my God, in, in that relationship, I was an anxious mm. and I paired up with an avoidant. Mm. Everything about him was avoidant. Everything about me was anxious. Um, and mm. I, it, I think that's what it really was. There was this part of me as an anxious that was addicted to the moments of closeness I received from him when he gave it to me. When he gave me his love, it was so good. And then when he disappeared, I got really addicted to the drama, the roller coaster, and I called it passion. I called it love because that's what I witnessed in my mother. Like that is so much of what I received from my mother of this push and pull of love, give it, lose it, give it get it, lose it, get it, lose it, and like needing it. And so, of course, I've had a partner who does the same thing. And I, again, think, oh, this is what love is. Like, this is this is love, and, and I've got to have the sacrifice of, you know, learning how to be the perfect woman for him, for him to give me the love. Uh. He would get mad at me if I used the thumbs up emoji <gasps> because he didn't like it. Or he'd get mad at me when I told him I miss you because that was being needy. Even if it was literally just those three words, I miss you. So mm-hmm. he, I don't like using the phrase, he made me, but I'm going to use that anyways because I think it's really important for people to be able to claim those words at times in their life mm. instead of making every single thing they say so conscious. Yeah. Um, he, he made me feel very, very unsafe in my, my emotions. I didn't feel safe to bring him what was true for me, whether it was a lovely thing, like I miss you, I can't wait to see you, or it was a hard thing, a truth that was that triggered him like... Mm. I don't like the way you just said that to me. Mm-hmm. None of that was ever safe. It it typically meant that I wouldn't hear from him for three to four days. Oh. He would turn off his phone and he'd not talk to me. And this happened throughout the entire year. And I was the one, every time we had a break, that kept coming back to him. Oh, over and over oh. and over. Even though he was the one rejecting, abandoning, um, you would you would be the one to knock on the door. It gets uh, it gets more intense than that. So let me tell you about the night I found out about. Okay. So I was uh, we were together again. Things were well, and he just decided to get a flip phone, get rid of his iPhone, and um, <laughs> told me that he was going to go into the woods and wouldn't be able to talk to me for a few days. And you know, I'm I'm really trying to like be okay with everything he is and just accept it even though that's kind of fucking weird yeah. just to tell your girlfriend you could get a flip phone don't try to send pictures take pictures like i'm gonna be off the grid okay whatever you know mm-hmm. so i was like i'm gonna practice loving this and then one night i was watching tv and i was like mm-hmm, you know what i'm just gonna look him up again just for fun i'm just gonna look up my boyfriend see what i can find and uh lo and behold the good gods of Facebook and love and divinity were like, we're gonna we're gonna let you find his mother. Uh, oh, I no infer- he found his mother. <laughs> yeah, I had no information about her. Somehow I did find her though, and I was looking at her photos. And one thing led to the next, and I saw a photo of uh, him kissing a baby's head with a woman. And I sent it to my mom and I was like, does this look like D? And she was like, that's him. That's him for sure. And then I kept going through the archives and finding more photos. And I found like family photos with one child. And then before I knew it, it's him holding two children. And before I knew it, 
I see a video taken the week before we met of him rocking a baby and I call him. I'm like, you have kids. Oh my God. And he denies it. And then I push and then he says, okay, maybe one, maybe two. And I'm saying the words maybe. (laughs) Yes. He's saying maybe he's saying maybe one, maybe two. Not sure. Whoa, um, the denial. I know. Whoa. I know. This is just so crazy recounting the story. Uh, so he asked me, let's, okay, calm down, Madeline. Calm down. I can't talk to you when you're like this. Pulling that thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. So telling me he can't talk to me when I'm like this, when I'm hysterical. And he comes over to have a chat and. Julie, I want to stay with him. I want to stay with him at this point. I am still saying we can get through this. I can forgive you. And then he says these classic words that any narcissist or emotionally manipulative human will say. And they'll say, if only you hadn't found out, we would have had that relationship you wanted. Which for anyone that has ever heard that, it's not true. Mm. It's just a way that they still have the power and they're gaslighting you to turn it back around to say, if you only hadn't known the truth, if you had continued to stay in the dark Mm. and not taken up space, not found out the truth for your own right, Mm. if only you hadn't done that, we would have had this fake little life that you wanted. And it's so painful when you hear those words because for a split second, your psyche is going to tell you it's true and you're going to want to blame yourself and you're going to have to do that for a bit of time because you got to go through that dark period. But on the other side, you will see that. And it is so much better to live your life fully embodying the truth and knowing the truth and taking up space and finding out all the secrets and knowing the secrets and to be by your beautiful self than to be with anyone who punishes you for what you feel or what you find out. Amen. Amen. I want to sing that song. Yes, yes, yes. We got to, I got to write down the timestamp on this. This is like, yes, yes, yes. So what was the aspect of you that wanted to stay or that chose to stay or, or to, to try to work things out? Mm, that's a sweet question. I feel like that was the, it's a combination of the, the child in me. Just don't leave. Stay with me. I'm worthy of love. I'll show you. I'll do right. I'll do good. It's just that archetype of wanting to be worthy and be loved. Mm-hmm. And, and also the lower chakra of like, no, I want stability. I want to have a partner. Mm-hmm. And, and then there's the, the part of me that's an addict, like holding out my arm showing my my elbow my inner elbow whatever that's called saying like please stick it in me stick in the drama leave me and then come back because that's addictive Mm. so there was a whole combination that was happening in that moment and uh, a lot of fear Mm. I remember telling my dad that night crying my 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 sister came over like my whole family really rallied around me during this Mm. time very grateful for that my mom was on the phone uh, even though my mom and me have had these experiences uh, for my entire life, and we will continue to do so, of figuring out our karma, she was so there in that moment to support me and hold me and love me. And my sister came over, and then my dad called me and was like, don't, 
don't you ever go back to him. Mm. And then I was mad about that because I was like, mm, I shouldn't have told you because I want to go back to him. And I don't want to, you know, and, and then pure agony, mm. pure agony the next month, two months, all the way till six months, I would say, of agony, crying, feeling Oh God, it was some of the worst pain I've ever experienced in my life because I really wanted this man to be mine. So y'all were, so this is the six month period where you were trying to kind of work it out or were y'all No, 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 this is, this is the, this is after we broke up. This is after the big finale. I would say I grieved for six months after that because if anyone who's read Attached knows this and you probably know this, but the part of your brain that's illuminated whenever you break a bone is the same part of your brain that's illuminated and ignited whenever you have heartbreak, especially mm-hmm. for an avoidant and an anxious attachment style. Except when you break a bone, you can go to the doctor and get a cast and get medicine. You have nothing to help with the illumination of that part of your brain whenever you're going through a traumatic breakup yeah. other than your tools, your crying, your embodiment, your feeling, and just waiting. Like there's nothing else. And that's why it's understandable for people who go through these kinds of attachment styles, style breakups if they reach back out. Mm. And I also have a lot of compassion to people who reach back out to that person who hurt them so much. And my encouragement is for anyone who's listening to this that's holding on to shame for reaching back out because I know I had a lot of shame during that time for still wanting him, have unconditional friendliness Mm -hmm. to the part of you that was trying to fix that excruciating lit up section of your brain, finding any way because for you it meant making contact again to soothe it. And that's perfectly primal. That's in your ancestry to want to fix the pain and it's okay. And it will also pass the goal is to allow yourself to be so, as you say, Julie, humanness and loving your human, mm. which means trying to fix the pain and also remaining really intact with that higher truth. You can want to fix the pain while also remaining true, true, true to the fact that you don't want that pain anymore. You don't want to go back into that relationship mm. again. That mm. can be your highest truth even as you maneuver and figure out how to deal with these really terrible breakups. Oh gosh, that was so uh, beautifully uh, articulate, Maddie. And I do, so I'm kookaroo right now on attachment styles and uh, I love it that that's coming up in this conversation today. So so just highlighting that here, that book is definitely going to be in the show notes, but it's a pretty easy title. So go, go, go Google it now. And, yeah. um, and I just want to give a heads up. This was my experience. So I always want to give a heads up when you're Googling attachment styles and wanting to learn about it, just be wary of any article or a video that speaks poorly to any of the insecure attachment styles. You want to make sure you're hearing really compassionate wording because because they're attachment injuries that happened in our childhood and and um and when you really learn about them, there is just so much compassion for what happens. And um, you know, I I definitely have been that person that has been in imbalanced, unhealthy relationship 
dynamics and has gone back again and again and again to fix it. You know, if, if I'm finally good enough, if I'm finally, if I can finally fix them, if I can finally offer up the right phrase or wording, then can this magically work out? And um, so I love that we're kind of taking off any shame bubble around that and um, bringing compassion to it. And, you know, there, there's a way to navigate this path with more with more tenderness towards the self um, that that we only learn through experience. Um, yeah. So I want to ask you what grew in you at that time? Like, like what died, what part of Maddie died away because of this experience and what new thing was born during this mm. time? Oh, mm. so much, oh. right? <laughs> so many answers. Um, the first one that comes up for me is the darker one. Uh, I felt like a lot of my innocence died a lot of my innocence of like, um, I mean, I went through a very bitter period. Um, I remember telling him on, uh, in that last conversation, I, I was crying and I was like, I was like, your baggage is now my baggage. And he kept saying things like he was sorry and he wouldn't have wished that upon me and all these things. But I'm, I'm glad for it because I did go through a period of being bitter and also really not trusting. Um, and even to this day, I, I think I, I, I can hurt partners of mine from time to time by just double checking their truths. I don't mean anything by it to say that they are not trustworthy, but it's on my end to just check in with the truth from time to time mm. because it, it makes me feel more at ease and who they want to be with is the easeful Madeline, not the pent up tight, not asking questions when she really wants to ask questions, Madeline. Mm. So I'm really... Um, in a, a very even keel place with this, I went through a period of being very uh, bitter about betrayal and not trusting anyone and t doing background checks on people and googling and um, and and wow. that's because that's because I didn't have myself yeah. during that time. Mm. I didn't have my back. That's why I was clinging on to him so much because I did not know how to have me. Hmm. I do not do these background checks and triple checking on things and this and that because I know at the end of the day, I have me. Mm. I have me, period. I always have me. And if I date someone else who has three children that they didn't tell me about it again, my experience will be completely different. Hmm. I will be in the heartbreak of this. And I've trained myself to feel alive in the heartbreak and to love the heartbreak. And I know, and my goal for all human beings, especially women, is this idea and this lifestyle of sovereignty mm -hmm. where we know that at any time we say yes to love, we are also saying yes to heartbreak. Mm. I cannot guarantee I will never have another experience with a man where he lies to me. I don't know. And I'm okay with that. Doesn't mean it won't make me upset. I'm still going to be in my pain if that's true and that happens. I'll still be upset. I have that right. And from right now, even this moment, whatever's in my future, I fully acknowledge that I'm in that experience of pain. I'm a yes to it. I'm a yes to it. Back then, I wasn't. Mm -hmm. I was so tightly wound around the idea of a relationship of perfection, of, of having love and keeping love, mm -hmm. never losing love, love coming from this one man. Now... Love comes from every single moment 
person. It comes from heartbreak. It comes from, uh, it comes from gain. It comes from loss. We have no guarantees. We don't even know if we're going to be alive tomorrow. Hmm. So with all of that said, I would rather live my life being a fuck yes to that happening again, again, because now I also know that the deepest love is the love I'm cultivating within my own life, my own body, my own self. And I'm only adding people into my life, not trading my soul, myself for them. They are additions into my life. And if they, if they are not additions, they do not belong in my life. Mm. So, well, I love that. As you were talking, um, I know that this is a metaphor that's just overused, but it, it's just in my mind so much, the the caterpillar to the butterfly. I mean, how you described Maddie before this experience seemed like a, a perfectly beautiful, awesome caterpillar, just mm-hmm. munching on leaves and doing its thing mm-hmm. and enjoying, you know, its caterpillarness. And, and then this totally new expression and experience was on the other side. Um, I mean, it's, it sounds so trite, but it's like you grew wings. I mean, gone was the, 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 the box checker and what came out of this sounds and feels to me like, like goddess Shakti life energy breaking through and feelings and, uh, and healings. Oh, feelings and healings. Yeah. I'm so, I'm so that word, the feeling is really what came to fruition during that time. I don't think I was feeling before that. Like, I know that's kind of a strong statement to make, but I really don't think I was, or if I was feeling, mm, this is what it was. Every time I felt something that was darker, I was a victim. Mm. Him having three kids made me a victim. Mm. Uh, saying yes to being in love with him and then him breaking my heart. I was a victim. Mm. Now, when my heart is broken, I still feel empowered. I just feel real. I feel, I feel so much pain. It hurts so, so badly, but I'm not a victim to that because I fully said yes to it. Mm. Every time you say yes to love, you're saying yes to, to being hurt too. Mm. It may be, be hurt from being heart, heartbroken from a relationship ending, or you might be hurt because your lover just never picks up their socks or they, they hold things back from you. You know, you're going to be hurt no matter what. They might be big hurts or small hurts, but you will be hurt. Um, And that process for me truly was, I love this butterfly metaphor. Even if it's an old one, it feels so true to me back then. It feels true to me right now in this very moment. Mm -hmm. This whole caterpillar to butterfly is so symbolic of the the shadow. I mean, the little caterpillar goes into this teeny tiny cocoon and it's dark in there. Just like when we go inside of, when we're inside of the womb being born, we're born in darkness. The darkness, that that is the moment in life where we are born to a new way of living. So we must go into those dark places. And if you're always a victim, every time darkness happens, you're not going to be able to get to that place of life, of new life. Mm-hmm. And that's not to say that we aren't victims at sometimes in our life. Like again, the book that I've been reading, the prerequisites to ecstasy talks about this a lot. Um, One chapter in particular saying that there are times to truly claim that you are a victim and then to get the law involved and to do what needs to be done to make it right, to get justice. And then when the story is, when, when that part, that part of the story is complete and you get what it is that you need, you let that go. 
to then step into the empowerment. There's a time and a place to adopt the victim role mm. and then to let it go when you feel that the scales of justice have been made right for you, whatever mm. that thing is for you. Mm. And then realizing it's of the highest good to no longer identify as that. Mm. Woo! Definitely going to have to get that book. That sounds amazing. You're going to um, love it. Yeah, I'm going to eat it up. Um, all right. So I want to ask you, wh- what were you most grateful for with this journey? Hmm. Hmm, what I was most grateful for. Like now, what are you most grateful for? Oh, right now? <laughs> um, let's see here. Well, now I'm, looking back on that? Yeah, now looking back. I mean, I'm guessing within the first six months, there wasn't a lot of gratitude. Right. But, you know, once you started to be in the new expression and the transformed Maddie expression, you know. I, it's truly, for? for me, it's this idea of sovereignty. Mm-hmm. It that that's what I'm most grateful for, and I learned it in a lot of mac, uh, micro relationships. After that, like little relationships, I kept learning this lesson of sovereignty of like owning the full experience, mm-hmm. and that one was the starting one of really owning the choices that I make, owning that I would rather open up my heart to love than forever hide it away. And um, in hopes that I won't be hurt, mm. and 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 not to say that that was actually love. Mm. I'm not saying that that was actually love because I don't think that was. I think that was addiction. Mm. I think that was me just really wanting to put my hand in a bucket of acid over and over again and hope that you know it turns into chocolate. It's just not going to happen. Mm. But I needed that experience. I needed to have an extreme experience to really understand and grasp this concept. And from there, like my true voice was really illuminated. What I needed was really illuminated. It showed me how important it is to be in a relationship where all emotions are safe, Mm. all thoughts are safe. Like that, at the end of the day, that is what I wished I had in my childhood is to know that it was safe to be mad at mommy and daddy. Mm. It was safe to be hurt by mommy and daddy. And I never had that as a child. It was never okay for me to be mad at my gro- my parents, the grownups. I was, I was not allowed. That was very confusing. And so, of course, I find myself in a relationship where, again, I'm not allowed to be mad. Mm-hmm. And then it's also turned back around where I was the problem. It was my emotions that were the problem. So that experience really highlighted for me not just what I want in a relationship, but actually who I want to be. Mm-hmm. That I want to be a coach. I want to be a friend. I want to be a lover that, this is hard, but I want to be all of those things that I want to be able to allow people to be upset with me mm. without trying to change it or fix it and just let it be. That doesn't mean I'm going to be a punching bag. Mm-hmm. I've gone too far to where I've let people really lay it on me and tell me how they feel about me and say, tell me more. <laughs> There's a time and a place for, for holding space for that if you're really setting a very good container and your mindset is really an, a yes to that. But for the most part, you know, I'm not going to go into the depths of someone saying all the terrible things they think about me because that doesn't feel good to me. There is a way though for people, especially my lover, to say, hey, I'm, I felt insulted when you said this. Hmm. And me say, okay, 
tell me more because they're important to me. And it's important to me for that, for the people in my life to feel safe and they don't have to walk on eggshells around mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. That their truth is not constantly on eggshells. Mm. That's ooh, that's my answer to what I'm most grateful for. Yeah, it's a masterful learning and it's a masterful teaching right there. Ooh. Okay, final question. You ready? Mm. So, and by the way, I just love the bookends of this conversation today. That you know, just by asking about the quarantine question, we got to know about this amazing love in your life that you have right now in which mm -hmm. you, you are fully met and seen and, and that y'all can exchange your truth and be super authentic and real, um, and alive with one another. Um, yeah. All in such a short amount of time, Maddie, I can't fucking believe how young you are. I mean, it's just like I'm talking to a 47-year-old. <laughs> Thank you. That warms my heart so much. Thank you. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, you're an old soul for sure. Okay, so so based on this waking up journey that you went through, what message do you have for for this audience today, for others that might be going through something similar the message that I'm going to provide to bookend this is the one I come back to over and over and over in all my teachings and all my lessons. And it's at the core of what I believe. And that is every single feeling is sacred. Hmm. Every single emotion is a teacher. The biggest waste of time is to ask yourself why you're feeling something or to shame yourself for feeling something because you should be beyond that, better than that, over that, the thoughts that you're reverting. You are a vessel that is constantly filtering in not just your own stuff, but the world's stuff. Therefore, you're going to feel a lot of different things. You're going to feel jealousy. You're going to feel rage. You're going to feel fear, elation, joy, lust, love, heartache, everything. Mm. And you're meant to. And you're not meant to only feel it. You're meant to catalyze it, mm. to turn lead into gold. But the only way you can have that alchemy occur within your vessel is to feel it. Mm. I, I started saying a few years ago, feel the shit to feel the shift. Ah, that's so good. <laughs> yeah. Feel the shit to feel the shift. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's, that's like, okay, I don't know what, like, it. it I know that I came up with that, but I've seen it come be on all these different Instagrams. Like the same month I thought about it, it was everywhere. So I don't know if it was like a collective download into several people's minds or something, but um, that's pretty, that's one of those things that I'm like, that's pretty cool. It feels like the entire world got this one same message or I'm the originator. Who knows? <laughs> I don't think that's the one. I don't think there's, that's anyway. But um, yeah, the feel the shit to feel the shift. And, and that is, so, so much truth to me. And, and every single day, you might feel a new piece of shit. <laughs> every single day, especially during this quarantine, you're going to feel things you have yes. no reason or right to feel. It doesn't make any sense. Let it pass through your body without judgment. One of my teachers always says, just be unconditionally friendly to it. And I think that's a beautiful starting point, simply being friendly to these pieces and parts of you that you're getting to know that maybe have been repressed for most of your life. Mm -hmm. It's their time to finally be felt. 
Yes. Yes. Feel the shit to feel the shift. Yes. 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 I love it. Maddie, this is a masterful episode. You brought so, so, so much to this tiny little time frame. Um, I have a feeling that this is really going to land with people. And so I thank you for being here. And on behalf of this audience, I thank you for sharing so abundantly and richly. Thank you. You are so welcome. Thank you so much for having me. You are also a master at asking questions. You are a wonderful interviewer. Aw, thanks, friend. Talk to you yeah. soon. See ya. Woo! Love, Maddie Moon. I hope I didn't just blast your eardrums with that woo. All right, everyone. You can find Madeline on her website, maddiemoon.com. You can find her on Instagram at Madeline Moon. You can follow her podcast, Mind Body Musings, wherever you get your podcast. All links to this fabulous woman and the books we mentioned during the interview will be in the show notes. If you'd like to join me for a sacred prayer practice to further integrate today's message, please hop on over to the prayer trip. That episode is available now. You can find out all about me at thejulieday.com or you can join me on Instagram at Julie Elizabeth Day. And in case no one has reminded you today, you are safe to love your human and trust whatever process is in front of you. See you next week.